there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. Thanks for joining us today. Our guest is my good friend, Christy Curl. Christy grew up in beautiful Dry Fork Canyon near Vernal, Utah. She attended BYU, served as a volunteer in the Peoria, Illinois Mission at the Nauvoo Visitor Center, and taught release time seminary religious education classes. Christy received a master's degree from USC and worked in commercial real estate development. She married Sam Curl in 2008, and they had four kids in four years. In her spare time, she loves to study the scriptures and church history. In part one, Christy has some amazing insights from the Bible story of the rich young ruler who asked the Savior what he could do to obtain eternal life. Christy shares some thoughts on this and how to feel closer to the Lord and how to not make living the gospel a burden. She inspired me, and I know you're going to be inspired too. Our guest today is Christy Curl, and I'm so excited to have her share a little bit about some thoughts she has about some scriptures in Matthew and Mark and some stories that you've heard before, but you may have some new insights. I did, and so I'm really excited to have her share these thoughts. And Christy, I know that you've dealt with some burdens, and we all have burdens in our life, every single one of us, that's universal. I know a lot of my listeners are carrying very heavy burdens and they're trying to figure out how to navigate all these burdens. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and then some of the things that you've learned. Sure. Okay. I'm lucky to be Karen's neighbor. And so I come to her when I need information about all kinds of things like how to raise my children and all of these things. So so Karen's a great resource. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. (laughs) So I'm married. I have four kids and I teach Sunday schools. And there are some things that have been on my mind lately. I've tried to declutter my house and my priorities and the way I spend my time and my energy and the things that I focus on. Am I caught up in the thick of thin things? Neely Maxwell once said, beware not to get caught up in the thick of thin things. And I think so often we can waste so much time and energy in our lives focusing on the things that don't really bring joy, that aren't the most important thing. And I believe that misplaced priorities can create unnecessary burdens in our oh. lives. Christy, this I think this is such a pertinent topic for these days because we have so much going on, so many things pulling us in so many different directions. And so can you explain a little bit more what you think the quote means about not to get caught up in the thick of thin things? Sure. I mean, there are so many things that we can get caught up in, right? We can create all these self-imposed burdens of too much stuff or distractions that just deplete our time and energy. And obviously, there are also burdens that we can create in our lives through sin. There are also burdens that we might carry because of the poor decisions and misconduct and kindness of others. And I think we can even make living the gospel burdensome. But I think that there are a lot of burdens that we don't need to carry. And if we're not paying attention, we might end up carrying things around that we really don't need to. Yeah. I I think that so many times we may not even be aware that it's a burden. (laughs) And sometimes we ruminate 
our thoughts just keep yeah. going in, in cycles. And like you said, if somebody has done something that's hurt us or their behavior has been unkind or whatever, sometimes we can just get caught up where that's our focus. And so I think that's really interesting about how that can become a burden in our life. Yeah. And a grudge is something that we can carry around that doesn't do us any good, but definitely can bring us down. I love the story in the New Testament about the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, I've lived my whole life trying to do what's right. I give to the poor. I pay my tithing. I do all these wonderful things. And then he asks the question of Jesus, what lack I yet? I stopped and I thought, why did he ask that question? Um, What lack I yet? I thought, was he hoping that Jesus would just say, nothing, you are going straight to heaven. You're all set. Or was he really feeling like maybe there was something in his life that was missing? And then Mark 10, 21 says, then Jesus beholding him loved him. And so Jesus saw the good that was in this man and the light in his eyes and asked him to sell everything that he had and give it to the poor and come and follow the Savior. I just love when you brought up that verse in Mark 10, 21, that Jesus loved him to feel how much the Savior cared about him. Because so many times we're critical of this young man, you know, like he was prideful or he was this or he was that. Right. And yet the tenderness that verse conveyed, the Savior saw so much good in him. So thank you so much for sharing that little caveat right there. Yeah. And I do think that Jesus saw that this was a good, honest in heart person. And so that's why he gave the invitation, sell all that thou hast and follow me. And when I read that as a child, I thought, it's not fair. Jesus didn't ask anybody else to sell everything they had, give up everything you have in order to follow him. You know, it was usually just come follow me as you are. But as I studied this story and really pondered on that statement, I realized that this was no ordinary invitation. Jesus wasn't just saying, come follow me. He was really inviting this man to be one of his closest associates and to have the great honor of being with him all the time. And my interpretation is that this is kind of an apostle-like invitation. And so with great blessings, you know, often the greatest blessings come from being willing to sacrifice the greatest sacrifice, right? Right. That makes sense that that would be the invitation because he asked the disciples to leave their nets and just come follow him. And so he wouldn't have need for all his stuff, (laughs) but he was going to be following the Savior and being one of his disciples. And so I loved that thought. That was a very profound thought about, first of all, why the Savior would ask him and not everybody else. And the Savior knew his heart. And so he wanted him to be close to him and to be one of his disciples. I think all of us probably have asked that question. What if I'd been the rich young man? Would I have been willing to say yes? And that's a difficult question to answer. But I think maybe a more realistic question to ask ourselves is, what am I willing to sacrifice to follow the Savior? And also another one is, is there anything that's keeping me from following the Savior? And am I willing to give it up? And it may not be riches. It may not be the cares of the world that we're struggling with. It may be a grudge or it might be a bad habit or anything like that. It made me think about what Larry R. Lawrence said. I would like to suggest that each of you participate in a spiritual exercise sometime soon, perhaps even tonight while saying your prayers. Humbly ask the Lord the following question. What is keeping me from progressing? In other words, what lack I yet? Then wait quietly for a response. If you are sincere, the answer will soon become clear. 
it will be revelation intended just for you. Yes, that's a beautiful perspective on that question. What's a barrier that we have that keeps us from feeling close to the Lord? I love the thoughts that you had on that because it might not be riches. It might not be stuff, (laughs) but there may be something else. And so as we look inward and have that very honest conversation with the Lord and are really sincere in our desire to want to know, He will reveal that to us. Yeah, definitely. And just one thing at a time, it's not like, here's the 50 things you need to work on over your lifetime. You know, it's just one thing. This is what you can do today. That's what I love too, is that He doesn't expect perfection and He doesn't ask us to be everything that we can be today. Right. Thank heavens. (laughs) Yeah. I love the New Testament and I love this final week before the Savior's death and resurrection because he's become so bold and he goes into the temple and he's kind of lecturing the scribes and Pharisees. And he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse four, he says that the scribes and Pharisees bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. And it's interesting to think about the context for that statement. At that time, There had been the Jewish law given in Leviticus, but then over the years, the scribes and Pharisees had added all these extra things onto the law just to make sure we didn't break any of the laws. But we were at the point where now you could only walk a certain number of steps on the Sabbath day. So now instead of focusing on your worship, you're counting how many steps that you're taking. So there were so many extra rules to follow that it was practically impossible for anybody to keep them all. And I think that was a burden. And comparing that to our lives today, I think we, in our efforts to live the gospel, sometimes make it harder than it needs to be. And we can even make living the gospel burdensome. Oh, this is such a great point because so many times, especially youth, they're really struggling. And when it feels like a burden, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> and we want to feel good. We have so many other things in our life that don't feel good. And so, you know, if the gospel doesn't feel good either, then what do we do if something doesn't feel good? We resist it. <laughs> we avoid it. <laughs> and so what are some ways that, especially as mothers and as members of the gospel, how are some ways that we might be making it burdensome? And then how are some ways we could not make it burdensome to live the gospel? Yeah, I'd love to give some examples. I noticed my kids on Sundays saying things like, oh, it's Sunday. We can't do anything today. I want to do this and we can't do this and we can't do this. And I I realized I thought, you know what? That's not the point of Sunday. And as a parent, I had to stop and ask myself, how can we make this day one that our kids can look forward to? How can we focus on the great things that we can do as a family. And if that means that we go on like a, a little drive up the canyon and go on a little Sunday walk with our kids, or if that means we make it a day that they can look forward to, I realized for me with my kids, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I also had an experience. I went to somebody's house as a missionary and before dinner, the table was all set and the food was all prepared. And we stopped before we ate and the father and the family read an entire chapter from the scriptures. And I was sitting there drumming my fingers on the table thinking, they had a little toddler and a little baby. And I thought, I hope these kids don't hate studying the scriptures growing up because it's the thing that stands between them and dinner. And there will invariably be times we're trying to teach the gospel to our kids where we get lots of eye rolling and we as parents are just like, 
trying to gut it out. But if we can just ask ourselves a question like, how can I make this fun? How can I make this exciting? How can I lighten it up and, and make this enjoyable? The gospel should be about joy, right? And we want to show our family and ourselves the joy of living the gospel. Even me, when it comes to my scripture study, sometimes I'm doing it out of guilt or out of duty. Like I feel like, well, if I don't do this, then I won't get any blessings or I should be doing this. I should be reading the scriptures. So I'm going to do it just because I feel like I should. But if we can stop and say, how can I make this a more meaningful experience? And Oftentimes, that means just lightening up on our expectations. Maybe we don't have to read 20 minutes or 30 minutes every morning. Maybe it's just like one verse, you know? How can we find the joy in that? Because that's what it was intended. It was not intended to be a burden. Oh, I love that. I just love that. I remember this one wife said to us, for family night, we know that it can be challenging. And so if you just have a song, a prayer, and a good feeling, we call it good enough. (laughs) And the good feeling is probably the most important ingredient, right? Exactly. The most important ingredient. That really spoke to my heart. I remember I felt the spirit so strong when they said that. And I thought, that's what I want. And I remember life just got so busy that sometimes when I would take the kids to school, I would say, open my scriptures and just read the yellow verses because those were my favorite highlighted verses. And then sometimes they'd read a verse and we'd just talk about it. I want to just at least have a good feeling and to have the joy in the gospel, even if it's only one verse, (laughs) that we at least have a good feeling when we're having that one verse, (laughs) instead of having an argument about it or golding. And those were some of their favorite scripture studies, (laughs) instead of, okay, we're going to actually have a formal lesson here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what are some other ways that we can help just even the Sabbath day to be a joyous day? One of the things that we did was Sunday would come around and my husband would be exhausted because he'd worked hard all week long and we'd spend all day Saturday getting ready for Sunday, getting all this stuff done when we were exhausted parents. (laughs) We just needed a break, but our kids needed to be entertained. And we found all these wonderful gospel-oriented movies that we could watch with our children about the pioneers or about the temple or about the Savior. And we would just snuggle up with our kids and watch a show, an inspiring show. And that that was so fun. And it was fun for them too. What a great way to have that good feeling, you know, because you're snuggling and you're close to each other and you're getting a message in there yeah. <laughs> at the same time. That's wonderful. I think that's very creative. And it solved so many things at one time. Your husband was still resting <laughs> and it was downtime. It didn't take a lot of energy to do something like that. I just think that's that's really a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we also love when we aren't too tired to do it. We love inviting friends over, another family with kids our kids' age, and just enjoying that time. Our kids love that, too. So they got some of the social, but also the family time and the fellowship. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember that one of the things that my kids love to do was service. I would say, who do you want to take treats to? Or who do you want to make dinner for? Mm-hmm. And I remember one time there was a family that was sick and I, I sent my son over with the dinner and he was in high school and he was playing football and he was the quarterback. And he came home and he said, that felt better than winning. That <laughs> I just loved that. And, and, and we talked about that joy that comes from service that we often don't reinforce, you know, it's just like, okay, we did it good. We're done. But to really stop and say, how does that feel? And tell me more about your feelings. And I remember that taught me so much about 
reinforcing that and to celebrate that joy that comes from following what the Savior encouraged us to do, to feed his sheep and to watch over the other little lambs that are struggling. And Sunday is such a great day for service. And often kids don't need the rest that the parents need. They need to be active. And so service is a great way to be active and still honor the Sabbath. Yes. And I had children that were very active. And so we did have to incorporate, like you said, going up to the canyon. That's great. There was a family that had, I think, five boys that were all very active. And so on Sundays, they would ride their bikes to the park or something. And then they studied their scriptures there in the park. And the mother later said, my kids have a lot of energy and they're just not able to focus or listen until they get it all out. And so that bike ride was preparation for the gospel study that they did later at the park. And these boys knew the gospel, they knew the scriptures, and they loved that experience, but probably wouldn't have been prepared for it had they not had the bike ride first. And so maybe our Sunday looks different than someone else's Sunday or what you might traditionally think of as appropriate Sunday activities. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that example. That was very helpful because if you just try and get a very active, wiggly child to sit still, that can be a battle (laughs) and it doesn't turn into a joyous experience. But what a creative idea to ride their bikes and have a picnic and then read the scriptures. I love that. (laughs) That was a great example. Our takeaways from part one include asking the Lord the same question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus, What can we do to obtain eternal life? The Savior loved him so much, and he wanted the young man to be his very close associate. We can become aware of the burdens that are blocking us from feeling close to the Lord. What unnecessary burdens are we carrying, such as the burden of holding on to unkindnesses of others, or the burden of making living the gospel less joyful and more regimented? Our greatest blessings come from our greatest sacrifices. Stay tuned for part two, in which we continue our discussion of turning our burdens into blessings and having the faith to not be healed. Thanks for listening. I know you're busy. Did you know that you help spread the love by leaving a review and following? This helps increase our visibility so people can find us online. I really appreciate your help. I'm wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey.